Welcome to the CAMCast. The CAM Project is the take action nonprofit organization to inspire, influence, and impact kids and teens worldwide. Your CAMCast host interviews older teens, parents, mentors, and specialists, providing tips, advice, education, inspiration, and a supportive community to kid and teen entrepreneurs. Introducing owner of Actionista Live and co founder of the CAM Project, your host, Samara Beth Hurley. Welcome, everybody. We are here for another episode of CAMCast, and I'm very honored to have a woman who has been through more than most people in her very young, beautiful life. Her name is Dianara. She lives in Alexandria, Virginia, and Dianara has a story that is incomparable. I am telling you that the most amazing words, advice, Tips, experience is going to come out of this episode. So please be sure to listen in. Welcome, Dianara. Sage, Saget. Which way should we go on that? We're going to go with Saget on that. Thank you, Samara. I am honored to be here and I am excited to share my story and words of encouragement to anyone that will receive them. <laughs> you're originally from Dominican Republic. Were you born there or were you just your parents there and came over? Great question. I'm one generation away. My parents migrated here in the 60s, so 1965, and I was born in Boston. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What was it like growing up in Boston? Oof, were you start? in the city or were you in the suburbs? I was really in the city. I grew up in Roxbury. I grew up not too far from Orchard Park Projects between Orchard Park projects in a sector of the city that's called Upham's Corner. I grew up right smack dab in the city. Yeah. So what was it like growing up in projects and in the inner city there? I often think back and I think that I definitely manifested my way out of there. I knew I was going to leave there at a later age, but growing up there was pretty difficult. A lot of drug abuse, a lot of dysfunction, It was very segregated. So oppression was felt like we didn't really communicate with the outside world very well. So it was tough. There was a lot of cliques and gangs, drugs, you know, drug usage. Heroin was big back in my day. It was tough. It was ugly. Were your parents entrepreneurs? Did they run businesses? What was your parental situation? So I'm the youngest of 10 children. Just 10. Okay. Yeah, only 10. (laughs) My parents migrated here in the 60s. My father used to work for a dictator in Dominican Republic. His name was Trujillo. And during the war, they came here. My father was very smart. Um, He purchased homes and had gasoline stations in the 60s and 70s, which I'm like, how did he do that? He didn't even speak English, right? They later divorced, and then my mother was to raise eight children by herself. That kind of divorce thing was hard for my mom because she didn't even speak English, right? It was hard for her to maneuver another country, another language with eight kids. You said you were the youngest? I'm the youngest of all eight children. So who raised you, your siblings? So my mother would work two jobs. I mainly stayed home alone or with my siblings, but I had teenage sisters. So I don't think it was a good idea to have two jobs and leave teenagers with your little kid. You know, it was 
it was difficult for my mom, but she had to support us, right? What did she do to support you? I can't even imagine. So usually it's kind of common for foreigners to come here and either clean, become housekeepers, which my mom was, right? Or do like taxi service and things like that. That's what usually people do when they come here and don't know how to speak a language. So my mom was a housekeeper. So she worked at two separate housekeeping places. So during the day, she would work at the hotel and at night she would clean offices. Amazing. Amazing. She sounds like an incredible woman. Is she still living? No, she was. Um, I actually took care of her for the last three years of her life. She was an amazing mom. She's an amazing grandmom. She was just great. I'm so happy that she was able to watch you grow up and mature and see how incredible you've become. And I want to talk a little bit about, I'm curious about how you went from within the city. I'm assuming that when you have 10 kids and you're in this city and you're in projects and your mom is working all the time that the siblings find that they need to make money in other ways. How did they go about doing that? My mom would leave me with my older sisters and my sister's This is one of the reasons I homeschool my children, and I'm probably jumping ahead of myself, right? But my mom left me with these teenagers that were probably making their own money and ran the streets and just were involved in things that were illegal. Like you said, they didn't have like a structured home because my mom was working all the time. So they did illegal activities, right? Do I know what they were doing? No, because they were older than me, but definitely they were involved in in the street life. It's so hard. You know, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors Mm -hmm. and they came over to America through Newark through immigration and they didn't speak English either. They spoke Polish and Yiddish only and they had liquor stores and grocery stores. They knew money. They were good with money, right? But they came over with nothing and they really built themselves up. It's always amazing to see, but there's what we call generational trauma, which is where I think it explains for itself, but it's where the line of the generations are impacted by the trauma of their grandparents, their parents, their grandparents, and so forth. Do you see I'm sure from what you're saying, you're seeing the effects of that. Do you see that within your nieces and nephews as well and your kids? Being the youngest of 10 children, I have a different relationship with my nieces and nephews. It's more like sisters and brothers, right? I see my kids different. I see another sister of mine's children different. And the ones that kind of not kind of, but like went the illegal way or were involved in drugs, their children haven't been able to like bounce back from that generational trauma, right? They're kind of still caught in that. It's hurtful, right? I feel hurt. And I constantly stay in contact with them because I love them so much. I do see it. I refuse for it to invade my home. I refuse to let it invade my home. You are such a special person, Dianara. I mean, you have such a big heart and you also had a run of your own, which I imagine changed you for life, obviously for the better. You spent 18 months in federal and state prisons. So are you willing to share what happened there? And is this related to a relationship that you were in? Absolutely. I would love to share it. And 
it's not as painful as it was going through it, right? <laughs> so I can share it. It started off with a relationship, right? But I think it started before that, with that mindset, with that trauma from that generational stuff that was going on. So I was able to go back and like de-weed, but definitely it had to do with a relationship that was involved in an abusive relationship. And this is why I'm so excited to share on your show here is because I was involved in an abusive relationship at the age of 18 straight out of high school, not even I graduated high school. And I remember going to high school, like with a black eye and a lot of girls go through that in their silence. You know, they don't speak about it. They don't share it. And parents need to be aware that it's going on. Yes. It started with a relationship and it just became toxic, drug, alcohol, abuse, all of the above. Did you get caught up in it or were you told you had to do something? I mean, how did, what did you do to get arrested? You know, coming from that traumatic, pull that neighborhood and learning how to become an entrepreneur, right? But do things that weren't. Be a dealer and those types of things. Yeah. Right. Get an ounce of weed and bag it up. Right. And that's pretty much where it started. So I learned all those skills and all that stuff at an early age, 13, 14 years old, living in this capitalist world, the word nice things are the main thing, right? That's what I strive for. I met someone that was just like me, was just like me at that time, right? And that was abusive. So he was just like me and he did that and we did it together. And I was exposed to things that I didn't have any idea to, but I was willing to receive it and to participate because I'm going to take responsibility on that. I participated, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely drugs, you know, slanging them. That's kind of where it started. You know, I grew up in Baltimore and you're looking at me right now and I'm blonde hair, brown eyes, white complexion, educated, went to University of Maryland, got, you know, a degree with two minors married a naval officer, had a life, have nice things, whatever. But guess what? I grew up with the same thing. And I was surrounded with kids with money and private school kids, and they had money and they were bored. And so the pot, the shrooms, the acid, and then people go into heroin and such, the snorting, snorting Xanax, it happened there too. The dealing, it happened there too. It happened in my college. It happened in my dorm. I think people don't realize that it goes so much further. And then you have that abuse, the psychological abuse and the physical abuse and stuff. And people, I think, think, oh, well, you all don't live in the projects so or the inner city because we weren't in the inner city of Baltimore. We were in the suburbs. You have money. So I'm sure you have no problems. But that's not true. It's everywhere. And it's unfortunate that people turn an eye on all of us and women everywhere because we do get sucked into relationships. Uh, which can be very traumatic. So I really appreciate you sharing that and your vulnerability is so real. And it's so amazing that you can talk about this and not, not even flinch, or it seems like you don't even regret it or resent it because it truly is what made you who you are today. And I know that that's how I feel about my life. And so is that, am I on the right page here with you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you said this about 
saying how you grew up in Baltimore and how you went to private schools and how you were exposed. Well, I didn't, but my friends did. Well, your friends <laughs> did. My daughter went to private school too. So she only went to a Catholic school and I know a little bit about what goes on there with all the rich mm-hmm. kids from McLean, Virginia. But- oh yeah, I know McLean well. <laughs> <laughs> and I was never rich, by the way, either. <laughs> but still, you were exposed yeah. through that, right? Yeah. And and even though your experience with it was pretty similar than mine, right? But my outcome was different because of what I think is that it's just different because of the maybe the neighborhood I grew up in, right? Or the color of my skin, or you know, I had this lawyer tell me one time. Dianara, that's such a bogus charge. If you were white, you probably wouldn't have did that time. There's no way of saying one way or the other. There isn't a way of saying, but I don't know. You kind of experienced the same thing with me with acid and Xanax and you know what I mean? And being Mm -hmm. around that, right? Well, I'm not going to say that my friends didn't end up in juvie many times. They did. And there are some that ended up in jail. And, you know, I have a friend who's a criminal lawyer who I grew up with and he saves people's lives. And he's created such an amazing self-aware person. And I always believe in, even as an event planner, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. And as an entrepreneur running a business, things are always going to go wrong, but how do you turn it into a right? When you were incarcerated, tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were there. And Well, we get separated by gender, right? I did state time and federal time. My federal time was done in a place called Alderson, West Virginia. It was a camp. However, it was very degrading emotionally, mentally. I saw older women being degraded, talked to incorrectly. It was horrible in the sense that sanitary napkins were like, we give you some if we have some. You know, it was like, if we have it, we give it to you. If you don't have it, figure it out. Just very degrading, very emotionally, mentally degrading. It was horrible. What did you do to keep your mindset on focusing on getting out of there and what you needed to do when you got out of there? I slept most of the days before I got to the actual prison. So prison is different than jail, right? Jail is county time. Like you get in a holding cell and you're constantly in this holding cell. So during my time in the holding cell, I definitely slept all day, read all night. I read so many books because I figured if I stayed up during the day, then I'll deal with the riffraff, the drama, the fighting, the this, the that. So I just slept all day and read all night. I read so many books when I was in county, right? Then when I went to prison, I got a job at the library. Good for you. (laughs) I got a job at the library. And I read there too, but I definitely was mindful of my surroundings. I kind of stuck and hung out with the older ladies because I felt like they were at least a little safer and they had wisdom, right? And I really, I hung out with the 50 year olds, the 60 year olds, and I'm 20, like three, 24 at this time. And I felt like, felt good being around them. So that was some of my coping mechanisms, like definitely reading. And hanging out with the matured ladies because I was afraid of the drama. Well, I probably would have done exactly what you did. You got out. And what did you immediately do when you when you were free? Wow. At that time, I had a 
one and a half year old, two year old child waiting for me at home with my mom. One thing I could say, looking back hindsight, like they always tell you this when you walk into those places. Oh, when you leave, you walk in and you're leaving. They're like, oh, she'll be back. She'll be back. When those doors closed behind me, I was like, I will never, ever be back. So my mind was just focused on rebuilding my life, regardless of the adversities that I was going to have to face. I didn't even know what I was going to have to face, which I faced a lot, right? But definitely just focusing on her and just being able to overcome those daily challenges because it was hard. I came out to like $3,000 worth of fines, driver's license suspended a two-year-old kid, like it was definitely an uphill battle. Who was willing to hire you on to make money? Wow. You know, I'm so blessed. I build great relationships and I'm a people person. I'm a lover of people. So before I left, I had this awesome, amazing manager. And when I came home, she was like, Dinara, don't worry, just come work here with me. That was at Corner Bakery, right? That wasn't going to be my end story. I didn't even have to fill out the application. She was cool. You know, she was like, just come back. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of my change, you know, but she loved on me so much that regardless of what she still was willing to have me back. That's amazing. And having people in our world that are willing to give others a chance, what is going to help us move into another stage, especially after COVID, uh, where every where so many people lost their jobs and have no money and are starting over, and they might end up doing things illegal to make ends meet. You have to think about that, and so, like opening our hearts to others is going to be truly what we need to impact people's lives in a positive way. So, thank you for sharing that, and kudos to the Corner Bakery. Of course, whiskey with flavor, we're all about that. And you can come bake with us anytime. <laughs> you have a job, somebody believed in you, which is amazing. And then you decided you were raising your child. You were living with family or you were on your own? A little bit of both. I had my mom, but she was alive at that time. So she definitely helped me out with my daughter. And then I just ended up moving out on my own at that time. And just trying to figure it out on my own, not leaning on my family as much because I wanted to figure out this mess on my own because then it would be more valuable to me. Does that make sense? Like yes. if I worked hard at this, then I'm going to appreciate it more and not let anything ever come in the middle of me staying free. Such a powerful statement, Dina. It's really a powerful statement about figuring out your mess and becoming more valuable because bringing value to others and to ourselves is so priceless, isn't it? Absolutely. No one can I take so it away from you. I can't wait to come to Virginia this summer and give you a big hug. <laughs> We're so going to hang out. Oh, I love it. I love it. Although this might not air until the summer, but we'll, we'll get it going. It's okay. <laughs> What is your entrepreneurship, number one? And also, what kind of advice and tips can you give to our young listeners? And, you know, I've had a lot of people on this show as special guests who have overcome 
foster care and abuse. And I can't believe how many people have come in and with suicide attempts and abuse and all the things that they've dealt with and what they've overcome, which is why I want them on the show because I want people to share their story that have been through a lot. I don't want silver spoon celebrities like that. That's not who I am. And it's not what our listeners want. That's not what the CAM project's about. And that's not what Action Needs to Live or Whiskey with Late is about. It's about creating entrepreneurs out of kids and teens. And for those who are being bullied or abused, have an outlet, a positive outlet to keep them, I guess, the straight lane, but their passion. We want their passion to become their business, not what they're told to do, not what they're told they can do or have to do or what they want to do. It's their own their own thing. So tell us a little bit about what you've done and what's your own thing and how you're using it with the, as a parent with your kids. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited about what you're doing here. I really am because when I was growing up, I wanted to be a interior designer, right? And back in my day, that wasn't cool. It was like, what? You're not going to make any money for that with doing that. So I never pursued that. So it's important that we allow our children to be who they're going to be and just believe in them and love on them. Like it's really essential to know who they are as they're growing. Anyway, so I'm an insurance agent. That's my trade, right? I've been doing that for about 13 years. It was tough getting an insurance license with a felony. It definitely was tough, but I overcame that as well. I had to definitely... um, get the commissioner to allow me to take my exam. I am an insurance agent and that has allowed me to work from home. So I've been working from home for the past four years, selling insurance. I also am involved in the foreign exchange market. So investing and becoming my own investor so I can create financial freedom for myself as I grow older and just try to retire sooner than later, right? and enjoying my life. So creating a cryptocurrency portfolio, I've done that. That's what I've been doing for the past two years. And it's it's working for me. You know, we have a lot of people on my show who, who work with cryptocurrency and trading, and that is so over my head, but I just need you all to just sit down with me one day and teach me. Tichelle said she'll do that. It's just so impressive. So we also have teens. We have teenagers who are doing it, 19-year-olds who are trading and they've been on our show. So it's the new thing. It's where we're going. It's the direction we're going in. So I definitely need to get on that bandwagon. I'm not promoting it on this show because I don't know much about it, but I, uh, I do appreciate those who are using it to make a living and who understand it. So we might have to go through a little how to on that one day. <laughs> hey, we can we can do that. We can do that. I want the world to be financially free because we have big corporations out there just hogging all the coins. Now I get it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your kids. Oh wow, thank you. I'm excited. I love them so much. I have a 23-year-old that is graduating college May 8th. Woo-hoo. May 8th. I'm super excited. I'm I'm happy for her. I'm proud of her. I never thought I would have a kid that'd be graduating from college. Kudos to you. It's all you girl. And, and it's amazing. It is it's amazing. It is. It, it, so this is my story. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not how you start off. 
it's how you end up. It's where you end up, right? It doesn't matter where you start. She is graduating the eighth. And then I have two boys, 13 and 11. We homeschool. We've been homeschooling for four years. I think I said that already. And they're great too. They play baseball. We play basketball. They skate. We do BMX, bike riding. Like we go to the track. We do all of that stuff. We travel. We love to travel. I'm enjoying them. Oh, I love it so much. I can't wait to meet them. Oh yeah. I'm coming over. Come on (laughs) over. I'll cook. I love to cook. Well, then I'm definitely coming over. (laughs) It's not like living out of suitcases. (laughs) Hey, do it. We do it all the time. We go to Boston all the time. Sometimes we take a road trip and stop in New York and like hang out there for a week or whatever. That's the best part of the East Coast too. I, you know, grew up in Baltimore. I lived in New York and New Jersey and Charleston, South Carolina, Millie Island, Florida. I've been Michael was in Connecticut when I was in New York. And we've just been in so many places. And I love that I can just get in the car and just go north or go south. <laughs> have pit stops on the way. I love it. I love it so much. And Ava will be in New York uh, for her her camp this summer. So Gavin will be in Chevy Chase with family. So it's just an amazing opportunity to be on the East Coast. It's so accessible. Unlike when I lived in Hawaii, where you had to like, you know, spend a fortune just to get on the mainland. So I know you can appreciate that. Definitely. I love this. (laughs) I love the DC area, period. Like we have Baltimore, like we go up to the aquarium all the time, right? And Uh the science museum, it's just so much to do in this area. There really is. And we have one of the best. Well, we have, I think, I think San Diego and Baltimore have one of the best uh, or two of the best aquariums by far. And the science centers are so amazing in the constellations. So, okay. So now what I want to know about is your involvement with the district and the school system and your homeschooling your kids. Are you part of a program for homeschooling families? So tell us a little bit about that. We are part of a community. And I've been a part of that community the whole time I've been homeschooling. So I have a group of super moms that are my friends and we teach our children. We teach our children together. So one mom is a mentor and she teaches what to teach for the rest of the week. And then we just copy that one mom. Right. I love that mom already. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's great. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what curriculum I use here. But, I don't know, <laughs> but we can tag it. And then, yeah. so it will get tagged. Yeah. So it's called classical conversations and it's classical teaching and it's done magnificently because it's so seamless and it involves a community and it's structured on how we were taught, like with our math and it's just great. So that's the curriculum we use. I love it. It is Christian based because I am a believer and that has definitely helped me overcome all my obstacles without Christ. I would be nowhere. So that's a part of our curriculum. The school board, I know you're active in, is that, is that a connection with the racial equity or is that you, is that what you're working towards? Yeah. Yeah. You hit it on the nail. So, um, so I watched this documentary a long time ago called the 13th amendment. I advise anyone to go watch it. And I didn't know it was going to be so impactful in my life. Impactful in the sense that I started seeing how my own education 
contributed to my being incarcerated, right? Studies show that there's big numbers, like there's this big numbers showing that there's a high school to prison pipeline, right? And it starts with suspensions. High school suspensions mm-hmm. is the gateway. Let's talk about that, where the proof is and the numbers on that. You may not know the exact numbers, but I, I wanted I wanted to talk about that because a lot of kids get suspended and they get expelled and it goes from there. So it's almost like a, a gateway to prison is what you're saying? Definitely. I mean, I lived it. I was suspended on a high rate in the third and fourth grade. I was suspended all the time. And I just think I was misunderstood. I just mm-hmm. think I was misunderstood. I didn't. And then once you start getting suspended, you're labeled the bad kid. And believe me, teachers talk about you. They talk about you. They single you out. Even if you're guilty, if you're not guilty, you're still going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I saw that happening to my second and third grader. And I was like, absolutely not. You're not going to do the same thing that you guys did to me or contributed towards my situation. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I said, I'm going to homeschool these boys. I don't care if we eat rice and beans only every day, no vegetables, no meat, no whatever. I was determined. With that being said, I saw there was a couple of schools in the system that in Alexandria that were suspending the kids at a high rate. I came together with a local community organization called Tenant and Workers United. They're a powerful group in our community here in Alexandria, Virginia. And I actually work alongside of them with other things, but they came alongside of me and was willing to help me like defend my children and to make sure that it stopped. But I just decided to pull them out and was like, you know what? Forget it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm not dealing with it. And I just took them out. That was where my advocacy kind of shifted into gear. Um, because prior to that, I took a 21 week course. It was with a group called Parent Leadership Training Institute. They're called PLTI. And they taught me how to become a leader. They taught me how to advocate for causes. They taught me how the system works, how the city works. I didn't even know I was going to use all of that. But that in conjunction was going on with my kids. Mm-hmm. Shift me into running for school board. Incredible. You ran for school board and did you win? I lost by 500 votes. Oh, I (laughs) could have gotten you those 500. (laughs) Call me next time, girl. It was a two man campaign. Like my girl and I rocked this campaign. Like I lost by the 500 votes to the incumbent. So I needed to focus on homeschool. So I think sometimes things don't happen for a reason. Things do happen for a reason, for sure. You didn't win, so you could focus on the kids for homeschooling. And you're doing it. You're doing such a great job. You are superwoman. Superwoman. Who is your superhero? What which superhero do you identify with? Um, I don't know. Like really, actual superhero? Like yeah, like Storm. Storm. She's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Storm. X Men. I'm a big Marvel DC comic family here. <laughs> Star Wars, Marvel DC comics. Okay. We're kind of running towards the end of this. And do you have any tips that you can share for parents who are dealing with kids who are getting in trouble in school or going into 
rehabs or into any delinquent type programs. So do you have any advice or any tips that you can give them or with to the teens? We have a lot of teens who listen to the show as well. Could be my favorite part because I was so troubled as a teen. I was so troubled. And I just think I was misunderstood. I know that there was always a good person deep down inside. So my advice to the parents will be just love on your children, right? Love on your children, of course, with boundaries, right? (laughs) You just you just hit a a pressure point on me on that one. Go ahead. Of course, with boundaries. Boundaries are good. Like you have to have boundaries. I feel like my mom didn't have boundaries and that was a problem. So she didn't have boundaries. I kind of ran whatever I wanted to run on her, but I feel like if she had boundaries, it would have been a little bit better. She just had way too much love. So it's kind of hard to figure out where that happy medium is, but we have to find it. Never give up on your children because they might just be the next president of the United States. They might be running the UN. They might just invent something that everyone was waiting for, right? Like a Tesla. You know what I mean? Like never give up on your children and never kill their dreams. Never. Like you guys can be anything you want. The phone is a computer. You can do anything from your phone now. Our kids are going to be amazing. Believe in them. Absolutely. You know, when Gavin was diagnosed with autism, we lived in Hawaii, we were in the Navy and he was only 13 months old, one years old. And the doctor who diagnosed him said, when he said, your son has autism, all we could think about was Rain Man. That's all we knew from it. It was in 2005. And we said, well, what does that mean? And they said, let's just say your son will never be a politician or president of the United States. I was like, no doctor's going to tell me that my one-year-old is never going to be a politician. Even though I don't like politicians, if he wants to be a politician, he's going to damn well be a politician. Right. But that's what, you know, and then we kept the label out because it could be damaging. Well, guess what? It was damaging, not labeling him, not teaching him how to advocate, not, you know, he grew a great deal from it, but I think you're right. Sticking with the kids and helping them with their passions. And, you know, our project that Ava and I created is about inspiring, influencing, and impacting kids around the world. And, you know, it's going to start small and work its way up. It could take 10 years to become anything that people recognize, but it doesn't matter if we can impact one child, just one, we did our job. You know, we're, we, we served a purpose and that is what it's about. And people listening to the Camcast, I'm hoping, and Camcast Kids, which is Ava's podcast for kids by kids. And it's not just about Ava. Ava's doing podcast interviews, but we are going to be training other kids to take it over. She's got way too much on her plate. So she doesn't want to keep podcast interviewing. She'll co-host and interview occasionally, but she wants us to start training other kids to take over. The Cam Project's not about us. It's about everybody. And so it's about diversity and inclusion and kids who are lonely or depressed to not go into that wrong stage. You know, I was actually with a bunch of, they call themselves dragons and they are, it's a wolf pack. And there was somebody there who was talking about Columbine and she has a program, a nonprofit working with kids who are suicidal and those who do things like Columbine and depression and anxiety. And I will tell you now, we all suffer from depression and anxiety now with COVID even more so, it's definitely out there more than it used to be. Mm-hmm. 
And the key here is for us to change lives, even if it's in a little, it's the movie Sliding Doors. Have you ever seen that with Gwyneth Paltrow? No. Sliding Doors is about you go through one door and another one can open. But if you don't go through that door and you go through another door, how will that butterfly effect? How will that trickle and change your entire life? I have goosebumps thinking about it because it's so powerful to think of that. So for example, if Dinar did not go to jail, how would things change? If you weren't with that boyfriend, how would your life be different? Would you be with another boyfriend who wants to get out of the projects and who wants to start things and just get away from all of it and be great in our, in his society. So there's so many different things that can happen in our lives by the minute, not even the hour of the day or the week of the year, by the minute that can change everything. So if we can change an adult or a child or teen's life in one minute, if we can hold the door open for someone and they don't drop their groceries. You know, if we can, we can't rewind but we can do in the moment. And then how will that happen and impact the future? And that's what Action is Still Live is trying to do is helping others. Whisket with Flava is about helping kids, you know, with baking and how to, but the adults are inspired to bake too. And now they're baking more because of Ava. And the CAM project is about helping others. And so it's an amazing program. And what you're doing for your kids, I am so proud of you. I'm sure your mother told you a million times because you're saying she has a huge heart. And what you're doing, Dianara, is so powerful and so special. And you're such a special person. I am so blessed to have you in my life. And all my listeners are blessed to have you. So thank you for that. Um, Any final advice or last words that you want to share with our listeners? Yes. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Samara. I was just thinking about just like the suicidal tendencies. That was me at 11. Like, if anybody's listening, if anyone listens to this, please remember that you're special. There's only one of you. And if you're not here, then you're not able to fulfill your destiny. Just hold on to that. I want teenagers, kids, even parents to know if you're not here, you're not able to impact the people that you're impact. Your outcome, your end story is greater than what you start off at. So I just want to leave everybody with that because that was me at 11. I hated being a teenager, but I overcame. And I know that I have greatness to come. So hugs and kisses to all the people, all the kids, all the teenagers. If I can do it. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. We can do it. So thank you. You are so welcome. And thank you for being a guest on CamCast. It is the podcast for inspiring, influencing, and impacting not just kids and teens. I'm saying everybody. Are you with me on that? Yes. Amen. Everybody, (laughs) every race, every religion, every color, every country, immigrant, not immigrant. I mean, we're all immigrants. My grandparents are from Poland. I mean, there's just so much we have to do. So we're in this together. Thank you for being a guest, Yonara. It has been an absolute pleasure. We are signing off. Everyone have a blessed, wonderful day and hug your family members today. This is Samara Hurley and I'm signing off for the day. Thank you for listening. We would love to consider your kid or teen as a potential guest on CamCast Kids, hosted by the Cam Project co-founder, kidpreneur Ava Hurley and friends. Also accepting applications for parents, educators, specialists, and entrepreneurs on the CamCast. 
Visit thecamproject.org to apply. Remember to follow our podcasts and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.